0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Ninjas and Bots, the comics podcast that follows the IDW iterations of the Ninja Turtles and Transformers. I'm one of your hosts, Lane, and with me is John. Yes, our other. I'm sorry, you're introducing me. Oh,
1: I feel so special now. Hi, I'm John. Yes, thank you for the introductions.
0: Yeah, and we actually have a third half with us today. Would you like to introduce yourself, David?
2: Yeah, uh, I'm David. I am fresh uh, out of the uh, packing peanuts. They uh, <laughs> they kidnapped me at the uh, end of the previous record. So here I am back uh, um, and um, I am currently blinking in Morse code for help to escape uh, their tyrannical clutches. But in the meantime, we will <laughs> <laughs> in our the clutches mean- aren't that tyrannical. Yeah,
0: really mildly tyrannical. And, like, um, of, of all the assembly that was required when we pulled you out of the packaging, I mean, yeah, there might be a few pieces missing now, but, you know, you're mostly together.
2: Right. I mean, I hope so. Um, Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, those Allen wrenches always come in handy, so. Yeah, yeah,
2: and, uh, you know like uh i i would say now i have a few more screws loose but let's <laughs> let's be clear i can't i came in the package that way um <laughs> yeah but uh yeah, yeah i'm i'm david yeah. i am a uh, a longtime comics fan a fan of uh ninja turtles and transformers uh you know you heard a little bit of that uh, last time and um i am also um at least in my at least in my spare time, I am a, um, voice actor. I, I, I am part of an audio drama group, uh, called ATW, uh, of Akataka Theater Works. And, Mm. uh, um, we do audio dramas and, and, uh, uh, yeah, like one of the stuff we do is like Strangers in Paradise, the audio drama. Um, I am one of the lead characters there. I play, I play, uh, David, um, and, I missed the we've been doing, for
1: that. I really wanted to be on that, and then I, I, it, it slipped by me.
2: We are always looking for new people and and you know people to come in and just and play around. So yeah. if you ever want to audition, we've got we've got stuff going on all the time.
0: I might wow. have to like that- connect with you because I love doing the rest in peace theaters on my podcast, Batman oh, books, nice. Dark Knight, and prose. So. Yeah, I play I play around with some just for fun voice acting, but um,
2: yeah. Yeah, we re- we record on uh, on uh, Sunday mornings, or rather, like for for me, it's like noon, it's uh, and uh, and it's like uh, 1 p.m. Eastern, and we do that for like a uh, for like a couple of hours, and we do like a group record sort of situation where, uh, and it's kind of kind of in a similar situation similar to this where like we're all individually recording on audacity or, or whatever. And then, and then we, uh, we all send our, our, uh, our voice files in, you know, we, we like, we like send them in or, you know, we, we post them and then, uh, the, uh, and then the, uh, Audio director is the one who uh who like assembles our voice files, puts music and sound effects to them and all that. And uh but yeah, uh when we do a we do a group record, we're basically all going off the same script. We do like a run through to get the giggles out. (laughs) And then uh and then we uh after that we just do the uh and and then we we um we do the uh we, we then do do the script over again, uh, you know, acting it out while while we're while we record it and it's it's a lot of fun to do it's a it's a fun group of people we and we've done all kinds of uh of genres at this point we do stuff like uh like um uh, public domain comic book theater uh we do like vhs box theater where we uh where we just basically uh take a a, a, a the uh the box of a uh, of a movie that is that is now in the public domain and just like create our own story from it you know based on what the box promises rather than what the uh rather than how the movie actually turned out um yeah and uh and from from that uh like i like i i wrote one that was called death code ninja that was based on an 80s movie called death code ninja and uh and um ended up being wildly different than the movie it was based on but it led to spinoffs called foxes uh which is about this uh this this trio of like um of badass women martial artists who uh basically do like uh different james bond or different like uh or they they like they fight anything from like ninjas and other martial artists to like spy missions to like, you know, all kinds of, of, uh, of weird stuff. And, uh, and uh, one of the fun things about, about, about that part is that, uh, is it's an audio drama. So you can't really do much fight choreography. So you just kind of have to, have to like, um, have a lot, have a lot of like grunting sound effects. <laughs> and it's kind of like, right. uh, Kind of like fill in the, the, uh, the comedy around that, but it's a lot of fun. And, and uh, uh, we're doing stuff like uh, Barbarian Queen 2, which is basically an imagined 80s barbarian uh, fantasy series of movies in which you're not actually finding any of the movies in the right order. So there's a Barbarian Queen 2 haven't found Barbarian Queen 1 yet, and maybe the next one's going to be like <laughs> Barbarian Queen 4, and then eventually we'll get back to Barbarian Queen 1.
3: Oh, that's weird. Well, let's,
2: um, let's start looking at our Turtles yes. stuff for the yes. episode.
1: Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> this Apologies was actually the, the issue that you asked to... Uh, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's good that they're going well, to... Uh,
0: one quick question, though. Like, where can we find some of the stuff that you, you're okay. doing? So,
2: uh, yeah, it's on Two True Freaks. Uh, you can basically... Uh, let's see. So um, I, I will include the uh, the, uh, the the link to it and then you can put it on your your uh, podcast episode. And then. Yeah. So because it's, it's a it's a lot easier than than saying the whole thing out okay. loud.
0: Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. Now. Now we'll go ahead. Um, David, you're with us last time when we covered the uh, Transformers and now you're with us again as we cover The Ninja Turtles. We're going to be covering Mm -hmm. issue number eight of the IDW Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And we'll also cover today's uh, micro series, One Shot Leonardo. Leonardo. Um, Yes. And John, would you like to take it away?
1: Sure. Um, Now, let's see. This was the is this the last Yeah. This is the last part of Enemies, Old Enemies, New, right? Uh, I believe so. Yes. Yes, written by Kevin Eastman and Tom Waltz. The script was Waltz alone, like usual, and the art is with Dan Duncan, colors Rhonda Pattison, letters Sean Lee, editor Bobby Kerna. I wrote down everything but the title, so yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, The Dan Duncan cover has our four turtley heroes trying to fend off a literal swarm of mousers. The Eastman cover has them shocked and dismayed by their home that's been wrecked and is now flooded and on fire. Do we have thoughts on either of the covers?
2: I mean, I'm looking at the Duncan cover, and uh, uh, yeah, they are, yeah, they are like armpits deep in a mountain of Mausers to the point where I can't even guarantee there's anything left of their bodies from the hips down. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there are no legs, only mousers. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, but yeah, it's a it's a great composition where they're just like struggling against the uh the tide, and and uh, they're looking both worried and also just like frustrated and just enraged and, at, and at, mm-hmm. at all, all this is happening. It's got this really cool pose of, of, uh, Leonardo with both, with both swords at the, uh, at the top. And, uh, he's surrounded by, by like, um, mousers, you know, some of which seem to be beheaded and that's probably his fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah it, it they there's like some flying mouse reports it's it's a uh, yeah it's it's a great really kinetic sort of image
0: yeah when if you were in the comic book shop and saw this cover you i think it'd be an attention grabber and it's like oh something's going down in this story <laughs> yeah
1: mm-hmm. the um the eastman cover had me feeling a hankering for the mirage series of individuals so i um I reread the first issue recently. I'll be reading more of those. I want to skip all of the guest era stuff, but I want to reread yeah. a lot of the yeah. original Eastman Lair Ninja Turtles. Yeah, um, the,
2: weird, the weird thing about the the guest era and uh, and uh, ap- apologies for the uh, for the slight digression is that they have is that. Um, the guest era happened in the uh, the ongoing series and it and uh, they also had a had a series running concurrently which was tales of the teenage mutant ninja turtles which was you know supposed to be the more anthology series of the two but honestly the ongoing series ended up being more of an anthology series because that's where the guest era happened but in the uh, right. in the uh, in the tales series is where a lot of the more plot relevant stuff happened or the more uh, more stuff that was like important to the overall lore. So it's like, which one was the main title again?
0: <laughs> was, <laughs> it was it a requirement? Was it a requirement on the guest era stuff that they had to be actively doing acid when they came up with their stories? I don't know, but it pro- <laughs> I don't know, but it probably, Feels like helped it. <laughs> and it probably seemed that way. <laughs> I, I was just um, wondering, is that, that seemed to be a common thread, but, yeah. those, but yeah, there were a right. few,
2: there were a few of those stories where it's like, have you met any of the characters you're writing about? Because I'm I'm questioning that.
1: And the uh, the Archie Adventures series gained a lot of popularity during that same time frame. So it's like yeah. all of the turtles except for the main turtles became popular turtles.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um,
1: <laughs> but as we open on issue eight, Raphael and Michelangelo have just gotten home from Woody's Pizza Place. And that Woody, he is a pretty righteous dude. Have I told you that? Um Donatello and Splinter are both unconscious, and Leonardo is slicing and dicing mousers, but his slicing speed is not enough to keep up with all of the little chomper bots attacking him, so Raphael dives in to help while Mikey checks on the others. Donnie wakes up, he gets up, he tells Mikey to take care of Splinter, but to watch out for Hob. And speaking of Hob, that kitty cat is choosing that moment to overwhelm Mikey with a whole bunch of mousers, and Mikey loses his grip on Splinter in the attack. <sighs> dun, dun, dun. Meanwhile, on the Upper West Side, Baxter Stockman is still in conference with the alien General Crane from last issue. He showed up unannounced in his apartment, and Stockman says the Hobbs should be bringing back the specimen for a reclamation of the psychotropic compound. He couldn't use Hob himself for the um, serum reclamation stuff because uh, Hob's exposure to the compound and the alley led to uncontrolled contaminations because, you know, gross New York alleys and all that stuff. Really, anywhere alleys. Alleys are just bad, whether it's New York or anywhere. Um, Also, Hob might be a little bit deficient in the brain department, and Krang had told Sockman he wanted intelligence in his uh, experiments. So <laughs> Ooh, burn. Stockman mentioned, right? meow. Stockman <laughs> mentions rumors of another mutant animal working for Krang's mystery ninja competitor. And we see an image of Alapex. We know her. Mm-hmm. Krang insists that the mystery ninja is meaningless. Like everything else, everything else on this miserable mud ball. Uh, Krang had wanted to get technical help from the planet Neutrino, but he ended up fighting a war there instead. So he points out that if he can kill them, he can kill Stockman. So Stockman better produce or die. Back in the sewers, Hob has Splinter. So he leaves the Mousers on autopilot and drops a smoke bomb to cover his escape. Very Batcat of him. (laughs) At that moment, at the Dunkin' Donut. (laughs) I love that. Dunkin', like the artist. And donut because donut yeah yeah I love it and plus Um, my
0: home my hometown just got our first Dunkin Donuts like six months ago so oh
1: wow did you really
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) and it's maybe thinks
1: they're trash but I like them
0: it's I I had I first had them when I lived in New Hampshire about twenty years ago um and then I I never thought about them again because we didn't have them here and yeah they're 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 good for what they are and especially considering they're like almost a literal stone's throw from my office. Yeah, it's handy. Anyway, yes. So anyway, I dig- digress. Go ahead.
1: Um, so yeah, at the Dunkin' Donut, our meet cute continues with April <laughs> and Casey getting to know each other over coffee. Uh, he asks why she's doing self-defense beyond the obvious reasons why a woman might want to do self-defense. April reluctantly opens up about the raid on the lab where she evidently still works 15 months later. She mentions that the raiders looked like Ninja and Casey is just going along with the story and listening until April mentions being saved by her rat named Splinter. And he's like, wait a second, Splinter, you know, Splinter, who has been stolen by Hob, which the turtles are just now realizing as the mousers continue to do their chompy, bitey, attacky thing. Donatello posits that they could be using some sort of radar to detect objects, so the turtles should ride in single file to hide their numbers. All the Mousers zero in on Donatello, who is now their apparent-only target. And as they move in, the other turtles quickly rush out, flank the group, and demolish all the Mousers. Casey Jones realizes that his friends' and April's stories are the same story. So he decides to bring her to the sewers, which is a great date idea, let me tell you. Mm -hmm. So. Obviously, April is aghast at the idea of moving their date into the sewers. And instead and she's, of saying, never mind, what?
0: I'll say, and she's also gassed by being in the sewers. But anyway, go ahead.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, I had to jump instead in with saying, bad jokes.
1: Yes, she, yes, yes, uh, definitely. She doesn't say, never mind, I thought you were different and bails, because that would be my choice if I were being asked to go to the sewers by my first date.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: instead, she follows him into the poop water tunnels of New York City. <laughs> and as the turtles begin to hatch a plan to track down Splinter, they hear the human voices in the tunnels. April and Casey show up, and April immediately faints. Casey catches her and tells the turtles about her connection to them, but they don't have time to chat because they're going to go get a Splinter. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that.
1: <laughs> they had a Splinter, but it got out of hand.
0: Ah, uh, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>
1: Anyways, so that's issue eight of Ninja Turtles, rocking and awesome, and I really, really dug it.
0: Yes. It doesn't so feel fun. like the
1: end of a story arc, but it is the end of a story arc, at least title-wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It, you can tell it's definitely going to be leading into something else.
1: Something. Um, so let's just kind of go through and yeah. share our thoughts on the issue. Um I thought that the, the 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 fight scene I mean the turtle on the turtle side this is all just one big fight scene but I didn't feel bored by it I felt like there was story progression not just action. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah and it was interspersed nicely with you know bits of danger like first we had Donatello who was still knocked out from the last issue and then you had Mikey suddenly being set up on and you know so it wasn't just like fighting 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 it was like you know fighting for a couple panels and oh crap this is going to happen and then oh crap that's this happening so they kept the pace going pretty nicely
2: Mhm. yeah this yeah like this was um really intense like they they really sold the idea that that the uh, turtles were being overwhelmed and it was kind of a battle of attrition sort of thing where or yeah like uh like um they had a they had a hard time, you know, like a, like even if they could attack some of some of these these mousers, you know, like a, like it was only going to be a matter of time before they were overwhelmed by them and and they had a uh, they they had some some um, injured uh, they had some injured brothers and a uh, and an unconscious father to deal with so it's like oh crap what are we gonna do now?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, All they right. def- definitely kept up the feeling of. Like you said, just being overwhelmed, like they're barely holding the tide back. And I really like... My dog
2: is having a fit in the background, so I apologize for that. Oh, you're fine. Yeah. So I really like the concern that the turtles, like, are displaying for each other and Splinter and how that contrasts with Old Hobb's, like, childish childish glee at playing with his mouser toys. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like I, I...
1: Go ahead. And Raphael reacts very strongly even hearing Hobb mentioned. He definitely holds a grudge from back before. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah. He's he's like I'm gonna kill that bastard, and he's basically taking it out on the uh, mouser right in front of him.
0: Mm-hmm. With uh Raphael and especially Leonardo, I I don't envy them the weapons sharpening they're gonna have to do from especially those katana, those thin blades being used to cut up these metal mousers. They're, they're gonna be nicked all to hell.
1: Oh mm-hmm. wow, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. They just kind of comics and cartoons just kind of ignore that sort of thing with swords, but they are swords.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. They just you know, the the comics and cartoons they are just like, yeah, his swords are sharp, therefore they cut through everything. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Magic slicey power. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah no that's, maintenance that's, that's, required. Ar-
2: yeah, he definitely has, says like, that some the kind robots of, are smart, but yeah. I'm sorry, I've been talk over you. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, he was. But I was just saying that he, uh, um, that yeah, Leo, Leo's definitely got to have some like uh, armor penetration sort of ability on his character sheet. That's about the only explanation I can come up with. Right. But continue.
1: Leo, Leo does say the robots are smart, and Donatello says it's just programming. But I'm like both things could be true. They could definitely have some decision abilities beyond the directions Hob is giving them. What do y'all uh-huh. think? Do y'all think there's some uh, AI going on with those mousers, or are they just um,
2: like they'd they have point and he- shoot? Like, um, I mean, the programming would be would just basically be like uh, the artificial, uh, you know choices it makes you know kind of a decision tree of like if this happens do this you know and and, uh so they don't necessarily have to be remotely controlled for every move they make but you know uh they can certainly be uh but like if you have a remote control as as hob does they can certainly like um direct their movements uh but yeah as far as as far as like what kind of of intelligence they have yeah like like uh it seems to be rudimentary and i do like the uh the plan that that Donnie came up with whenever stockman and krang are
1: talking and stockman offers a drink and then he offers to the stone guy a drink on the rocks i was <laughs> yeah. like Stockman's being quippy and he doesn't realize that his life is actually very much in danger right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He does
0: realize it. And this is a stress relief for him because I feel like that would be my way of coping as well.
2: Coping mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 that's fair. But like, uh, like, I don't know, maybe he's just not used to being in a situation like this. I mean, like they don't actively have guns on him, but just, Based on the conversation they're having, like guns are clear, like metaphorical guns are basically being trained on on Baxter the entire time, mm-hmm. and you know, and yeah, like uh, like something that's kind of consistent with uh, with with Baxter's character through at least most of of the incarnations of the character is that he see like his ego is is uh, like it causes him to be like just a bit too big for his britches in terms of like, uh, of like what he's dealing with. Cause he tends to like, like, you know, scold the people he's working for as if they're working for him. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? So it's just like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is perfectly in keeping with, uh, with Baxter. And, uh, yeah, he either doesn't understand what he's dealing with or he just figures, well, this is temporary.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he he's a fun character, but he's definitely not a sympathetic character.
2: Yeah,
1: I don't think he's meant to be. No. So I have a storytelling question, and I don't know if this is intended to be confusing or if okay. I'm just confused. Um, are the ooze that make you grow and the psychotropic compound that makes you smart, are they the same thing? Did the injections into Splinter's brain involve the same substance that was poured all over them? Is that the same thing?
2: Um, unclear, although, like, uh, without giving too much away, uh, we do see over time, uh, different versions of mutagen that it's basically a result of like modifying the formula for different effects. So, I mean, it could all be the same formula. That's just like uh, that's just heavily modified and tinkered with. Um, like the uh, the implication with the uh, with the uh, laboratory scenes from like 15 months ago was that there's like a wide variety of things that they were trying. But um, yeah, like uh, like I think at least in this in this section of of the continuity that there the idea is that. Um, the mutagen is like is the thing that like depending on how on how you mod out the the, uh, the chemical formula like it could just you know make people grow or it could just like uh, like induce you know like small changes or like heal people um, and uh, yeah depending on how else you mod it out it could it could lead to like much more extensive changes but like uh yeah i guess that's that's something that that um it's kind of unclear at the at the moment and uh Mm -hmm. they might make it clearer over time
0: yeah because it seems like you know i didn't think about it until you asked that question john i like that question um that perhaps what they were working with on splinter at first was just a an ingredient of the final product to maybe um Maybe they were just playing around with some of the components. So my theory right now is that the ooze does both, but they are working with um, Splinter at first just to keep him as a rat, but then, I don't know, maybe play with just that part, and then he got exposed to the whole thing anyway. Um, that's the only thing I can think of that would explain why the turtles, which were only exposed to the ooze, also gained you know, the uh, their abilities to for higher thought but then that doesn't work later with bebop and rocksteady they never really but they were humans and then they maybe regressed so i don't know yeah it's not really fully clear
1: i had thought they were separate things because whenever they were initially treating splinter they talked about injecting his brain and therefore he got smart and then they got covered in the news that made them grow So in my head i just thought the psychotropic compound because that's the word they use in the story was one thing and then the growth stuff was another but um they seem to be talking about them like they're the same thing in this conversation. So yeah, maybe it is a sort of it's like a base compound that can be modded for different purposes. Um, I just I wish that the scripting were a little bit more clear, or maybe it's my brain that's putting a dichotomy there that the scripters never considered, so that could just be on me.
3: Mm-hmm. That's that's fair. Is
1: weird sometimes.
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, and that, that was I, a good
1: question to ask. Go
3: mm-hmm.
1: ahead. I had not linked Alipex to the mutagen thefts from the origin story. Like the fact that she was big because the ninja had stolen stuff that hadn't even occurred to me. So I like that. They draw that link here. Um, it's also the first time we get a direct link from the micro series stories into the main storylines, And I like to have the, I like to have integration between the t- t- titles.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And the, and the, the thing to note is that the, uh, is that the mention of, of Alopex and, and how that ties in with the thefts. Like, so far that supposition on his part you know he he's he sees that uh, that the foot are uh, are you know getting involved in uh, in like the the theft of of mutagen and 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 office equipment and stuff like that and then shortly thereafter you know there's now this like um ninja fox you know lady who's running around and he's and he's he's assuming that the two are related and uh, like but it's a natural assumption yeah mm-hmm. i mean i mean it's a like yeah like uh whether whether or not that is the like uh that that is the actual assumption to make is a uh, you know like that that remains to be seen but yeah he's now looking at like okay there's this organization that should have absolutely nothing to do with like all this mutagen and all, and all this like corporate intrigue and stuff, something like that. And now all of a sudden we have, uh, we have mutants with ninja training. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, that, that would be a
1: worrying thought. It is, it is teasing what's going on with the, with the whole developments of shredder and everything that, that I like how that storyline is just kind of cooking in the background.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and it is causing like this other far fo- this other faction to, to like become aware of it. It's like, is this something we need to be worried about? Hmm. But I've been
1: dominating for a few minutes. Uh, Lane, did you have something you wanted to bring up?
0: I liked the connecting of the dots between Casey and April and their mm-hmm. shared backstories. And I was thinking, like, yes. wow, if, if you're if you're excited about how your stories match up, wait until you guys introduce Matt Murdock to everybody. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> but I do I I really like that and um that Casey put it together immediately and then we got instant gratification like he took her right down to the sewers um to to be like hey let's um let's join forces and the turtles didn't seem too upset like you know, they're not die hard keeping their secret. I mean, they're keeping themselves as secret as possible, but it's not to the point of, you know, we're going to kill you if you tell anybody about us.
2: So yeah. And as, and on a similar note, uh, April's quote, as she, as she faints, I can't deal with this. That is almost exactly the reaction she had in the eighties, in the 87 cartoon when she first uh, met the turtles. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought the same thing. That was almost a quote. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I can't handle this. And then she passed out.
0: <laughs> that, that makes me feel a little better that it, this is like a, a homage to that because I wasn't sure how I felt about her being a, a fainting damsel. Yeah. You know? So yeah, that made that I, I can see it being, you know, a throwback to, to that. make makes me feel a little better about that.
2: Yeah. And, I and, and, uh, it's not the greatest look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. It's more of an homage than anything like a, uh, like they don't necessarily need that need that reaction, but at the same time, like it does kind of it does kind of help sell how weird these guys are at at, at first at first sight because because uh, usually it's, yeah like uh, you're seeing these like giant turtle looking guys with with like masks and also kind of faces like frogs. They don't seem to think there's anything weird about it. They're talking like people. And, oh, by the way, their dad is a rat who is, like, gigantic even by New York rat standards. <laughs> yeah. And one of those things is going to end up send, sending somebody over over the top of being like, nope, can't handle it.
0: Though I did have a another young lady in an Aikido class once who passed out because we – we're talking about you know different martial art moves and the ways you can detach different body parts and we're just like talking and having fun and then I just saw the corner of my eye I just see someone go, boom and she had <laughs> she had passed out from like our talk. And I was like, Oh no. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Um so yeah. That, I guess that, that's something that actually fun. happens
1: to some people.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. th- not not very often, but um so yeah, it, it does happen. It, um so yeah, I guess I guess we can over, overlook that. Like you said, it, it's a little bit of a trope to like, oh, something unexpected and I'm going to pass out, but I it does happen, I guess.
1: <laughs> so, I'm honestly surprised that April still works for Stock Gen. I like it cuz in the original comics, the origins the the where we meet um, April is when she's working for Baxter Stockman, so I kind of liked it that, that that connection is still there. I just assumed she would have quit mm-hmm. after getting, you know, robbed by ninja. Yeah,
0: I mean, I hope <laughs> she went to seems HR like an to I'm talk. out
1: th- kind of move.
0: Yeah, I, I hope she went to HR to, you know, negotiate some hazard pay or something.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, I was like, nobody said any nobody said there would be ninjas to worry about on this job. Like, come on.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I, I did like the um, the strategy on Donnie's part to use the mouse or his apparent radar sense against them. But I mm-hmm. also wonder if there is going to be resentment next issue against Mikey for losing Splinter. Um, no. I never read ahead, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mikey did lose Splinter and in, in a lot of group storytelling. That kind of thing would be like held against him. I just yeah. don't know if they're going to do that
0: or not. Possibly, especially since they uh, – and we as people, we – can know when we're blaming someone unfairly but our brain our emotions wants a target mm-hmm. so because you know hob is now out of their sight and they don't know what's going on they might find him as a like an easy target for so, at least some of their anger mm-hmm.
2: yeah and, uh, and it is one of those things where like so much was going on in a very short period of time that you know like it would actually be reasonable for somebody to go from like guarding a person to not guarding a person, you know, like almost in the blink of an eye, like
0: what happened? You mm-hmm. know. And Mikey's such a soft hearted turtle mm-hmm. that I could also yeah. see, like, even if they don't blame him, I can see him blaming himself,
2: blaming
1: himself. Exactly.
2: Um, yeah and I, I like I like the that Casey uh, is like lamenting um that she that like like now, now now he's like having second thoughts on like actually uh, teaching April to punch because he's like uh, when she wakes up, she's gonna break my face. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed at that a very amusing last moment yeah um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just just the look on Casey's face, and you know, it's uh, it like it's this splash page of like um, him and 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 a slumped over April, and you know, in the near background, and then he's just surrounded by the uh, the uh, chaotic litter of like Mauser parts and uh, and like uh, crumbled like debris that used to be the, the furniture and it's, and and you can, you can tell like, like the look on his face is like, I don't even know what to do with this situation. You know,
0: like, can you imagine from his point of view, he's like, Oh, I just had this date with this girl that I kind of like, and Oh my goodness. I, there's a revelation that like, Oh my goodness, we, there our stories connect. So he thinks that's going to be the height of his night. Yeah. You know, then the most important thing. And then he walks in on this and it's just, yeah, a little, little bit of a brain shutdown moment there that I can't blame him for. Yeah. I feel
2: like this, like almost <clears throat> this entire issue is kind of like that, uh, that moment from community that's, that's been immortalized in gift form, which is, uh, which is, uh, Troy showing up with with uh, with pizzas, you know, just like ready for a party. And what he walks in on is like a room that's on fire and <laughs> somebody's injured on the floor and in pain and just somebody going nuts, like uh, swinging around like, uh, yeah, just being like, what did I just walk in on? <laughs>
0: that's almost literally what happened here, except for instead of pizza, he's got an April.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, just like
2: what the heck <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah i, I really like this issue i think the pace was it, it pretty much kept going nonstop. it was um i think overwhelmed was the theme of this issue and they carried it through pretty nicely so yeah fun issue
2: yeah and i yeah um, I, I agree in our
1: next arc i'm looking at the title now trying to find it um so we end this arc with splinter having been caught and um like a rat in a trap yes shadows of the past Mm
3: -hmm. which i
1: feel like is definitely hinting at more ninja ninja shredder connections Mm -hmm. but um it's the end of an arc so let's just kind of look back on the last three issues enemies old enemies now i'm guessing old enemies is hob and Mm -hmm. new enemies are krang and stockman and mousers what did y'all think of these three issues
2: uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was great. It was, uh, like, uh, kind of expanding on, uh, the, uh, the stakes and, and the enemies who are becoming aware of the turtle's existence. Uh, and, uh, it's like, you know, it, yeah, uh, we're seeing more of Krang, we're seeing more of Hob, um, and we're seeing how some stories are starting to intersect and how, like, uh, stuff we saw set up in in early issues is 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 starting to pay off and in some cases not quite in the ways we expected like like you know i wouldn't have like i was certainly expecting the the mousers to show up sooner or later i wasn't expecting hob to be the one you know at least partially controlling them Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. you know like i i was expecting that as i was expecting the turtles to meet april and the turtles to meet casey i didn't expect the order in which that happened um you know they uh um definitely didn't didn't you know yeah like like there was there was a lot that was that was uh going on and even in a really action-packed issue they you know there was there was time out to like uh to like describe you know, the kind of chess pieces that are being rearranged and what that means. And the fact that the, uh, that even the, uh, the bad guys that are kind of mobilizing in the background aren't entirely, they're not completely sure about what the heck is going on They're They're having to guess about the motivations of the other factions.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot going on, but it didn't seem like it was overwhelming. And, uh, and yeah like uh there was a sense of like of like desperation and tension throughout the entire thing.
0: Mhm. I what think that think? the three issues did a nice job of just slowly building up Casey and April's introduction to each other. Mm-hmm. But then we didn't have to go through that again with the turtles at least not yet, you know, is it it, this was a very organic way of like hey, April, this is Turtles, Turtles, this is April. Okay, April's passing out. The Turtles have to run off. Okay, that's done with. So we, we don't have to deal with that just yet. That can come later. Yeah. But but it was a nice way of getting them all in the same room, but for literally two seconds before everyone has to scatter again. <laughs> so that worked out nicely. But um, yeah, I just, I, I love how these arcs interlock with each other like puzzle pieces, creating the next part of the picture of this story. And I'm really looking forward to jumping into the next one.
1: Mhm. Yeah, me too. Um, I moving into this this arc, enemies old enemies new, and immediately getting to meet Krang was like, okay, here's our new enemies.
3: Mhm. And Baxter mm-hmm.
1: was talking, was teased a little bit in the first arc, so seeing him more, I guess he was kind of part of the oldness, but he becomes more of an enemy in this because this is when he actually launches the Mousers. Um, so yeah, I thought it was cool. I have said before i'll say again i do really enjoy the teasing out of the shredder stuff because that's gonna be my first thing in the questions for the future is what is going on with the shredder like how does he know about the mutagen how did they even know to raid the lab in the first place it hadn't occurred to me to wonder back then when it happened but krang has made me wonder (laughs) he has made me ask questions (laughs) so um There was a second season episode of Lost where over the course of the second season, you meet these other people who were in the back half of the plane. And there's an episode called 48 Days, which basically says everything they've been doing the entire course of the first season of the show. And I feel like we're going to need that. Like, what everything we've seen so far, what is this like from Splinter's point of view? Mm -hmm. Not Splinter, Shredder's point of view. Shredder's, yeah. So, Mm -hmm. um, also, uh, Alapex versus Splinter and Psychotropic Compound versus Mutagen, if that is a separate thing. Um, I'm still wondering how all that lines up, and um, I am wondering about Krang and Planet Neutrino. Cause I said, whenever we went there that I was drawing connections between them and the hot rodding teenagers from dimension X. Um, but it sounds like he went there to either employ them or exploit them. And I just want to know more about that backstory. I hope we hope we get more
0: exploit or employ. It can be two things,
2: Mm-hmm. right? That's how it
1: that usually works thing. these
2: days. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but yeah, uh, I guess that wraps up our thoughts for the issue. Um, When we go into Leonardo, David, this was actually the one that you wanted to talk about. So do you want to talk a little bit about what drew you to this issue to come onto the show for?
2: Yes. uh, The reason I chose this was because it is the uh, first IDW work from an artist named Sophie Campbell. Um, She's credited under her uh, previous name because this this was pre-transition, but... um, but yeah, like uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, of Sophie's work. Uh, um, back in a uh, previous Ninja Turtles uh, volume, like uh, like uh, years before when they were when they were still published by Mirage, um, um, Sophie actually managed to like like she she was like a cover artist and and she did some interiors and uh, yeah she's she's been a, a Long time uh, fan and contributor of the uh, of the uh, of the franchise, and um, she and yeah, like uh, she then uh, managed to like uh, get get work during the IDW run, and uh, she has uh, and yeah, um, her work shows up multiple times, starting with this, and then there's and then there's like uh, some more. There's like at least one more micro series that, that she does. And then um, there's a there's like at least ones. Yeah, there's there there ends up being like multiple story arcs in the uh, in in this in the ongoing series that 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 she's that, that she draws. And uh, her art style develops over time. And currently she is she's one of the primary forces behind, you know, like uh, like she's, she's one of the creative forces behind the uh, the ongoing title she's basically the main the the main writer mm. yeah i see yeah. that in her uh, article on turtle since issue 101
1: she is yes. the sole lead writer so okay uh which is yeah. cool because i really like the way she writes this one
0: yeah and um, i, I, I love i do love the art of the four micro uh issues we've read so far the art in this one is by far my favorite
1: yeah. She did the, artwork on Rob Liefeld's relaunched glory comic in two thousand twelve. And I bet you that's the series. Um on my Make Ours Marvel podcast, Glory came up randomly on a tangent, and we had a guest on the show named Sarah Century who mm-hmm. um is out there and does a lot of cool stuff, and she said a lot of cool things about Glory, or maybe it was on her own show, Bitches on Comics, that she talked about Glory. I'm guessing it's this 2012 series that she was on about, except so probably not yeah. own 90s Glory work, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, because, so
2: yeah, her her work on Glory is vastly different than than Glory had been depicted before that, and it's and it's a very Sophie Campbell sort of depiction of the character. So continue. Okay. Uh well
1: let's get into the issue here. Mm-hmm. Um David Peterson cover has Leo brandishing his swords in a cluttered alleyway, and the Sophie Campbell cover has a different angle where he's surrounded by foot ninja. So um I really, really like the way she draws Leo. It's it's different to what we've seen before. It feels kind of Eastmany with the with the circular head and stuff, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah. Thoughts on also on the on the um, David Peterson cover. It looks like a red mask
2: on
0: mm-hmm. Leo. Yeah, it really does.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's, it's one of those things where like uh, that might have simply been that. Uh, well, I mean they they start like uh, Leo and the others started out with uh, with red masks, you know, early on in the series, and and maybe like uh, that that cover was revealed in solicitations early enough where where like. Uh, uh, it might have it might have been before it was it was like known that they were like uh, switching to the uh, the color coded versions mm-hmm. you know but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah and, and also the uh, the lighting is is the you know the the kind of lighting and shading and kind of like muddy version of the uh, coloring you know kind of makes it uh, like questionable whether or not uh that's that's like supposed to be red or blue or what you can kind of read into it a little bit but uh mm-hmm. but like he is the one with the sword so there is that you know yeah. but i think out of the two of them i, I like the uh, the the sophie campbell cover just a bit better because like mm-hmm. uh because it really uh sells the uh the desperation there's that word again of of being surrounded on on all sides and uh yeah it, it just really conveys the uh the mood of the uh of, of the issue and i i like that uh, that like yes there's hints of rain going on but like the puddles that are on the ground, like mm-hmm. in some cases, like, like the, the way that's depicted, it, it's kind of questionable whether that's supposed, whether the puddles are, are composed of rain or of blood. And I think, mm-hmm. I think they like, uh, like it, it's kind of meant to be like, uh, you know, a little bit of both, you know, is <laughs> like, like you could you can make a case for either one.
0: Yeah. I, I really like both covers, but I agree. I like Sophie Campbell's a bit more. Um, Part of that is just the contrast in the lighting. And I, one of my hobbies that I don't do enough of these days is um, I love photography, and I especially love nighttime photography. And I especially, especially love nighttime photography in si- like large cities because I love mm-hmm. the contrast between um, light, like artificial light, and the darkness. And I think that's what drew me to this cover. Um, There's no artificial light, but most of it is very dark, especially with the foot ninjas um, uh, uh, outfits, the the black costumes. So we have Leonardo, um, uh, yes, standing in the the dingy alley in a puddle of something, but Mm -hmm. it almost feels like. When a rain shower has just passed and the clouds have cleared and the sun is starting to shine through like that, that purpley glow glinting off of the blades and also reflecting off of the puddles that kind of Mm -hmm. partially reflects the sky. It's something that I really love about Sophie Campbell's art is that she does a really good job of bringing in beauty in a really ugly situation. And I really love that about her art.
2: That's a good way to describe it.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, um, this issue does pick up immediately from issue eight as the turtles split up to look for Hob and Splinter. Leonardo is very introspective and broody in his determination Bet you would never have expected that from Leonardo. <laughs> um, he is eager to get Splinter back. He's also remembering his childhood in Japan with his brothers and parents. Now, side note Leonardo is the only one so far in the story who has given any indication of even partial memories of the stuff that Splinter has told them. And he's mentioned it in passing to Donnie, but this is the first time we've actually seen he remembers. Maybe not thoroughly, but he remembers. It's quick glimpses, but still. Um, Mm -hmm. He is perching in a construction lot trying to decide next steps when he is assaulted from behind by a hooded ninja. Leo fights back and he tries to get answers. He like interrogates while he's slicing and dicing, but his questions are met with silent violence. Ooh, I like the assonance of that silent violence. Okay. (laughs) Um, and a lot more foot ninja show up. These are the generic sock suit and mask variety with the bug eyes.
0: A full Um, millipede of, of foot. You might say,
1: (laughs) yes, all in sock suits. um, because their foot anyways leo does his best but begins to realize there are just too many he leaps to another building to buy time because he thinks that they'll have to climb down to cross but no they just leap after him or you know a few of them do so he dispatches that handful rather quickly, and he tries to exit down the stairwell, but he is met by more ninja running up to meet him. So he knocks out a few, and he tries to take a hostage for interrogation with his brothers. But then a homeless lady who's been squatting in the building shows up and yells at Leonardo to get out of her house. More ninjas show up. They drag off the woman, and they overpower Leonardo. This he poor wants lady to was just,
0: Sorry. Yeah, I just had to jump in. Like, this poor lady was just, like, minding her own business. But anyway.
1: Right. And she's attacked by a turtle and by ninja, and it's just, you know, this is not the Tuesday she was expecting. Um, <laughs> Sorry, to interrupt your
0: flow. Cycle. I should have, I should have said that for discussion rather than jump in. And I interrupted your no, flow. No, always again. interrupt. I just, I just <laughs> you know.
2: it will never cease.
0: <laughs>
1: I will keep on talking unless I'm interrupted. So feel free to interrupt. I do not resent it at all. Okay. Um, Leo remembers being unable to save his mother as she was killed right in front of his eyes. So he wants to save this woman and he uh, the memories fill him with strength and rage that he needs to fight back. Uh, Eventually, he is able to kick and break some of the wooden support pillars, sort of Samson style, bringing down the roof on his pursuing ninja. Except one, that one uh, gets free and he pursues that one to the rooftops Now, this man is dressed differently. Instead of the full face mask with the bug eyes, this man has a single long hole cut out for his eyes like a ski mask, and we can see a scar across his right eye. We know this man, even if Leonardo doesn't. Leonardo attacks, but is surprised to find a much more formidable fighting ability in this opponent. I won't say that this guy shreds Leonardo because I'm (laughs) above such frivolity, (laughs) but he... Is unimpressed and he throws Leonardo off the roof. Leo falls to the trash bin below and his katana fall after him, landing point first in the trash on either side of his face. So Leo limps home and tells his brothers about everything except that final battle, which he holds back. Dontello is wondering about the plot details behind all these enemies they've been fighting lately, but Leonardo is determined that they will continue to fight and keep fighting no matter what until Splinter is back. Because Leonardo is never losing a family member again, and Mm -hmm. I'm getting choked up at that last moment, so yeah. yeah. Um, Before we get into it, I... I've been fascinated as we've gone through these micro series because of the occasional similarities with the original micro series issue. And the original Mirage issue for Leonardo has almost the exact same plot outline. Mm -hmm. Leo faces off a bunch of foot soldiers and he eventually confronts the Shredder. In that issue, though, Leonardo barely survives to limp home and give everyone the huge reveal that the Shredder is alive. Which um, was leads directly into the next issues of that story. So I just thought it was really interesting that they used um, this issue very similarly to how Eastman and Laird used this issue in the original series.
2: Oh yeah, it's definitely one of the more iconic things to happen in the Mirage series. So much so that uh, that they used it for the uh, for the first live action movie. Only it happened to Raphael instead of Leonardo. But it was it, mm-hmm. it was it was a similar thing where one of the turtles gets gets caught out uh, by himself and gets uh, and gets like overwhelmed, has to has to like fight his way through uh, basically a gauntlet of him. And it doesn't go as well as he wants. And uh, um, honestly, like this, this version is probably the uh, the. Uh, best outcome that it could have gone because it usually ends in the, in the turtle just like uh like getting knocked the F out and passed out, you know, like uh, this one ends up uh, like ends up like uh, falling into a dumpster, but like uh, but like he's still able to like limp home under his own power. So mm-hmm. I guess that's something.
0: And to be clear, the only reason he was able to do that is because his attacker allowed it. It's very obvious that he was being um, overtaken by this uh, one single um, person remaining that we know who is. Um, And yeah, like when he said, I'm I'm unimpressed, he basically just like tosses him off the the roof and drops his katana back to him. He's such a – he's almost beneath contempt. Um, So he allows – Leo to survive to the level that he was able to limp home under his own steam. Yeah, it's an and,
2: intentional clemency for the bad guy's part. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. And it's got to be a huge blow to the ego, especially considering how well Leo was doing up until this point.
0: Yeah, this. yeah. I mean, yeah, he, 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 to be fair, like, he should be dead. Everyone, uh like, holding his own against that many n- trained ninja, I mean, that's not an easy feat at all. It, I, it I, really I say this from experience.
1: Right, anyway, yeah, it's really difficult because those those feet are really trained, so they're really <laughs>
0: yeah. it's a difficult
3: beat. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Leo is so broody in this; it makes me want to like give him a very soft hug.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, he's 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 so 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 determined, so angsty,
0: and like with his round little face and the art style, it's so cute. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm yeah
2: mm-hmm. Ab- ab- absolutely i mean he's yeah he's like the most he's he's the most serious puppy but he's a puppy you know he's <laughs> <laughs> he's <is> a puppy <laughs> you know and uh and one thing I, I i i thought was kind of amusing was uh was um you know his his uh his like you know it, the uh captions are like his his running uh you know um thoughts of the of the entire situation as they're happening and and he's, and his reaction to like being mobbed by by at least twenty like I counted twenty four foot ninjas in the in a single uh splash page. And so that means two
0: feet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I'm quitting the call and I am moving to a different location. <laughs> um, uh, but seriously but yeah his his reaction to all that is wow this <laughs> this is a lot of people to interrogate you know like uh, like that's it's his reaction to the yeah like uh, like you know specifically you know a lot of people to interrogate because that's his plan for what he's going to do with these people he's just going to like beat them up a bit and if any of them are are conscious he's going to be like okay what do you know about this whole situation? Where, like, uh, like, do you know about my father, who's a rat? Where was he taken? You know, and uh, also, what's your social security number? You know, he's but like... But also, uh, not
1: only is he fighting off a uh, 24-foot, which, by the way, is three yards, not two feet. Um, I'm sorry, eight uh, yards. Uh, yeah, eight yards.
0: I was I was thinking, like, inches. <laughs> <it, it> <laughs>
1: yes, yeah. exactly. It worked. It worked. It just sounds, uh, you know... Um, it, it, it kind not of, only is he doing that, twice. he's doing that after... I'm sorry.
0: No, I was just saying like it didn't quite hit the mark, but like you laughed and that that I got myself into a coughing fit, so my work here is done. It
1: definitely hit the mark. I was just going to take it in a different direction as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he does this after the mouser fight. Yeah. he's the one who was fighting mousers until he almost couldn't fight mousers anymore, and this is later the
2: same night. And he's depicted as being scratched up. From that same fight like uh, like the first panel he appears in like uh yeah he's like he and his brothers are all are all scratched up from um basically yeah being mobbed by by these by these biting machines and yeah like, like yeah and then you can see it at various points you know even uh throughout the issue, even before he meets the the foot clan that like yeah, you look closely, you can see that he's uh that he's still that he's he's still scratched up he like he looks like he was just been in a fight, and this is like the perfect issue for uh you know to to showcase uh sophie's sensibilities and how she depicts you know like uh things being like really weathered and raggedy and kind of you know scraps and like the way she depicts scars and shadows and just things being weathered, you know, mm-hmm. like everything in this issue is just like, is, is like battered and shredded and scratched up and torn and covered in rain. It's, it's really neat. And, and it just gives this like weight of like injury and fatigue to the entire thing and uh, meanwhile Leonardo is is just like strategizing his way through the entire thing and he's and he's just thinking like okay so I gotta beat this thing and then I'm off to the next thing okay well I guess I gotta beat these guys now and oh look they doubled in number in in like less time than it takes <laughs> for me to say that um this is all a minor inconvenience okay I you know like it is just like this escalation of him it's more of him and more trying, and more yeah. yes I. And, <laughs> yeah
0: it's great i I do like how he he assumed that they wouldn't be able to follow him when he jumped from one side one building to the other he's like okay that'll that'll buy me some time and like no leo they're they're ninja also and they were doing a decent job against you they they followed you as well by jumping right so anyway but
1: yeah they did the same thing <laughs> you thought you were gonna have the uh the boss fighting move and the boss just you know escalated things yeah yeah um Speaking of bosses, though, there are there are times in this series where I just have to applaud the storytelling choices as like technical successes. And one of those is the eye slice Mm -hmm. on this proto shredder, dude, because like it's just a minor thing. And if you're not looking, you might not notice, but it's there and it's intentional. And um, I don't know. I just I love it it's it's a very cool narrative technique do you think though that the first ninja that we saw who was dressed differently was anyone special or is he just the introduction before all the ninja sock puppets show up
2: what the the one he he spots when he's in the construction site yeah the one with the oh yeah um okay I'm looking at it now and I don't know it's like uh like they de- like, uh, the, as, as he's it goes drawn on, differently. he's drawn differently. He's dressed differently than the rest yeah. of them. But like later, uh, will like uh, later depictions of the foot will like show them in like, like a bunch, a, a large group of them in a room. Some of them are dressed like this guy and the, and the mm-hmm. majority are dressed like, like the, like the rest of them. But like, that, he was, might be a, a that was a lieutenant. That could be. Okay. Yeah. Like, and I, and so far I I don't recall if there was ever like a uh, like anything in the uh, narrative that singles out why that is, you know, it's just like, Eli, it's like yeah, in a video like, game, he's the one who takes twice as many hits, but other than mm-hmm. that, he's just a guy. Yeah. He's, basically
0: he's the big toe.
2: Yeah. And also uh, on a related note, I I like that the, uh, that, that the, that the one that, uh, that Leonardo goes up against at the end, the, the we're supposed to assume is, is the shredder. Like he's, he's dressed very much like the rest of them. And, and he's just, and like that, that, that causes Leo to like massively underestimate who he's dealing with mm-hmm. because, you know, he doesn't like, he doesn't expect this, this one to be that much tougher than the rest of them that he, that he just basically fought his way through. And then this guy just like humbles them, you know, without even breaking, without breaking any kind of a sweat. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, he's uh like at this point, all, all he's doing is is just like running on like fading adrenaline and rage and just trying to keep his body going. Mm-hmm. And I I think that's I think that's actually pretty pretty interesting and in, in a in a really good strategy because like if you're in a boss fight and you're a boss, you know like like um some guy going up against you is going to have different inner is gonna like. Bring different energy coming in if he thinks you're if he if he thinks you're one of the same minions that he's just been going through. Like he would psych himself up differently if it, if, if he knew that he was that he was in a boss fight and you know there's not any kind of like music or game saving to like tip that off. You know yeah. <laughs> he's just like wait what's going on here.
3: Uh huh.
2: Um. So we know
1: this Proto Shredder assuming this is the proto shredder has been gathering an army and we know that mutants are involved. As far as we know, this is his first time encountering any of the turtles or splinter since they had mm-hmm. grown up big. Um, he of course did see them in the lab back when they were animals mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I do wonder if he is making connections in his brain here, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause that scar. Because didn't that scar on his eye come from splinter when he from was still in form? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. That,
2: and and of course that at leads to the question: Does Leonardo realize that this is the one who uh, who uh, who um, his father had had scratched up? Like, do, like does he realize that part of I don't know if
1: Leonardo, because I think he was probably in um, infant, not forming mm-hmm. permanent memories yeah. mode at that story. I could be wrong, but that's how I read it at yeah. the time. I don't expect the the turtles to remember anything from exactly. those days except yeah. for what Splinter has told them. And yeah. Splinter yeah. might not have thought it important to mention that they, he he sliced that guy.
0: Mhm. Splinter yeah. had the advantage of having those tests of make expanding his mind well before the uh, turtles had their minds expanded as well.
1: Mhm. Right. But um, I'm running out of things to say on this issue. I I loved it and thought it was fantastic yeah, and loved yeah. the similarities with the original issue. But um, any other thoughts?
0: I just can't wait to to come across more of Sophie Campbell's art.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, like like I said, you know, this this issue was was the reason that I wanted to to come on and and uh, and you know uh, talk about this stuff because yeah, this is this is the start of. Uh, of Sophie contributing a lot to this, uh, to, to, this version of the, of the turtles. And this is definitely a, a this is definitely a place where things start to really kick off. And, and this, this is basically where stuff is really starting to get, to get real. And, and a lot of things are starting to converge, like is kind of in this particular era. So there's a lot of important stuff going on and yeah, like, uh um, yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm glad you you uh you both were were willing to uh, to bring me onto this this podcast, you know, just so that yeah, I yeah, we're can happy to just, have you here. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Just so gush about about it's, how neat this is. Mm-hmm. I was looking up her
1: next credits. Um, she does a couple of covers, some alternate covers, mm-hmm. issue 16 and Secret History of the Foot Clan number three. Uh, she'll be back in 23 for a Leonardo Dream sequence that she pencils. But the mm-hmm. next issue that she does is micro series villains. Number four with Alapex.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all that is some great stuff. Oh, also uh, like secret history of the flood clan. That's another one that I would, that I would love to cover.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We'd, um, we'd, be, we'd be happy to have you on for, for okay. that. Nice. Yeah. The, um,
1: the Mirage license also lasted a lot longer than I thought it did. And she did some covers, for some of their later issues, Raphael, Batman Rising, one, two, three, mm-hmm. and four, she covers for that, and she did some um, frontis pieces on Tales of the Ninja Turtles issues 29 and 38. So if you're looking for more Sophie Campbell artwork, there's some some uh, yeah. limited um, examples I've heard from before this. But anyways, so ooh, yeah, ooh, David, ooh, um, ooh.
0: teacher, teacher, yeah, I, have yeah, yeah. I have a request. I have a request. i I just remember the the Batman Ninja Turtles crossover. Can we cover that one day? It is on the list. Yes. Put it in. Yes. All
3: right. I put
0: it in roughly when it came
1: out because it wasn't on the content. It's not on the continuity list because it's not right. in continuity. Um. So mm-hmm. I put it in roughly where it came out.
0: Awesome. Thank y'all.
1: But it, but uh, yeah, if you scroll through the reading order, it's down or the the, the podcast spreadsheet, it's down there a ways.
0: <laughs>
2: Wait. Does that, um, does that mean the that the uh, that also the uh, the Ninja Turtles Power Rangers like crossover comics are also a possibility? um i do like power rangers
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i i i actually never um came across them i don't know if i was too old or too young for them when they came out but um yeah i would definitely be down for that though
1: yeah i was too old for the uh, power rangers when they came out but i had younger siblings but then Mm -hmm. in my 20s i became fascinated with japanese tv and Mm -hmm. so the super sentai show kind of i now watch old power rangers episodes as a auxiliary to my super sentai watching
2: Right. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I came across it, you know, like uh, it premiered when I was uh, the Mighty Morphin era uh, premiered when I was like 14. So, you know, I was I was theoretically too old for it. But but, you know, there were kids in the neighborhood who were into it. And I'm like, this is neat. This is, you know, like uh, this. This is kind of like Voltron, and it's one of those things where, like, I think that was my first experience with feeling too old. Because when I mentioned to those uh, same kids in the neighborhood, it's like, yeah, you know, this, 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 this is really like Voltron. They just looked at me like, what's Voltron? And I'm like. Oh, Voltron
0: is awesome
2: yeah I'm like how do you not know Voltron what you know I felt I over. age over 14 you know <laughs> but uh and then and then like uh and so yeah just just the uh the commercials of what it was of, of you know showing that that uh Japanese you know showing the tokusatsu footage I, I was like already in on it and then and I just figured that what they were going to do was was you know it was just going to be like you know a dubbed Japanese TV show, you know, like I figured that's what it was going to be. And then I was like, what? So this is, you know, like, like I was actually kind of, kind of disappointed to, uh, to see how much American footage it had. And I'm like, wait, yeah. is this an American show? I'm confused, but I it was kind getting... of
1: unusual choices for the time. Cause it was it not really was, yeah. a
2: dub. It was an
1: adaptation, but anyways, yeah. anyways. Um, so tell us briefly again, um, where they can find your voice acting.
2: Uh yes, so um you can you can find it uh at uh, two true dot com slash podcast uh, slash category the akadegagon theater group. It, like it's it's a it's a long one, but, uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. We'll
1: put the link in. If yeah. you navigate the website, there's like a series link and everything else. Yeah. but we'll we'll put the link in the in the notes. yeah.
2: And if you if you search for strangers in paradise, the audio drama, that's a that's that's a good way to find it. All right.
0: Awesome. awesome. Well, any uh, questions uh, for um for upcoming issues? Or are we ready for the closing credits?
1: I kind of already squeezed my questions in. Um, oh no, no 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 I didn't. That was for the first issue. My questions are um, Leo's memories.
3: Mm-hmm. I
1: want to know more about how much he remembers and do the other boys, Turtle Boys, remember? And the um the Splinter connections with uh, Shredder and everything else. Um, I'm just. They tease stuff in this issue, and I'm now curious, but yes. that's
0: about it. Nice. Well, David, thank you again for coming on with us. It was mm-hmm. a pleasure to have you. You're welcome. So two weeks from now, we'll cover the next issue of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number nine, which will be the beginning Shadows of the- of
2: the past.
0: Yes. <laughs> beginning of mm-hmm. that new story arc. Next week, we're going to cover, we're going to finish another story arc with Stormbringer number four, and we'll cover the Spotlight series issue Nightbeat. Nightbeat. <laughs> all right. Thank you for listening, everyone. Yes, Bye. for now.
1: This podcast is a production of John Reed's Comics.com, home of virtually all of the podcasts produced by me, John Wilson. Each show has its own feed on your favorite podcatcher or the whole group can be followed under the name John Reads Comics. Remember, there is no H in John. Feedback for all shows can be sent to johnreadscomics at gmail.com and I will plan to read it on a future episode unless you ask me not to. Follow me on Twitter at johnreadscomics and thank you always for listening to podcasts from johnreadscomics.com.